Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm starting a new series on how to train for things like strength, power, speed, and today's topic, muscle hypertrophy. I just wrapped up a series on conditioning and how to improve things like aerobic output, and I discussed lactic power intervals and how they're an excellent way to improve cardiovascular health outcomes if you're on a time-poor budget. So if you missed those, go back and check them out. As a quick reminder, before starting any new exercise program or making a dramatic shift in training, you should discuss this with a board-certified physician because there are certain things about your body that only you and your doctor may know. So let's dig in. Skeletal muscle is the most abundant tissue in the body. As a matter of fact, it's 40 to 50% of your total mass for a healthy adult. And it's our primary protein reservoir. Skeletal muscle doesn't just help you move, but it's fundamental for things like breathing, eating, energy expenditure is a higher lean muscle mass, metabolizes more calories at rest. It's also important for glucose, amino acid, and lipid homeostasis. Adequate levels of muscle mass are an important issue from a health standpoint because low levels are associated with an increased risk for several diseases like cardiovascular disease, cardiometabolic disease, type 2 diabetes, sarcopenia, which is muscle wasting, reduced longevity, and just a poor quality of life. As you age, it's critical to maintain muscle mass, and I'd say you should even train to stimulate the increase in lean muscle mass. But before we go too far, I want you to know that training to increase muscle mass won't make you look like a bodybuilder on the cover of a magazine. Most of what you see there is pharmacologically enhanced people and is predicated on living a life solely dedicated to weightlifting, eating, sleeping, and I hate to say it, injecting your body with substances that I would not recommend. So here's my blanketed recommendation. Everyone that is healthy and able should include some kind of hypertrophy training in their exercise regimen, along with strength training, which I'll be discussing in the next episode. And there's a difference between the two. It may only be two exercises in your entire workout that day, but I highly recommend it. So how would you go about doing this? Muscle hypertrophy requires a few things. A training stimulus as well as adequate dietary intake of calories, especially protein. Otherwise, you really won't see any change in your physique. Um, And that's why people that are consistently eating a hypocaloric diet don't put on muscle. It just can't. I mean, it's it's basic metabolism. You got to eat enough. But before I tell you how to increase muscle hypertrophy through exercise, I want to explain the change that takes place in your muscle to support the growth or size change in muscle. The majority of exercise-induced hypertrophy following resistance training results from an increase of sarcomeres. Okay, sarcomeres are the basic contractile units of the muscle fiber and an increase in myofibrils, which are a bundle of protein filaments that contain the contractile elements of the muscle. When the skeletal muscle is subjected to one of the three training stimuluses that I'm about to discuss, there's a significant disturbance in the environment of the myofibers and their surrounding extracellular environment, so the environment around the cell. 
And this sets off a chain of reactions, which I'm not going to go into ridiculous detail on, but I've linked a solid overview article by Brad Schoenfeld that was published in the Journal of Strength Conditioning Research for your review. But when there's this disturbance, this leads to an increase in the size and amount of myofibular contractile proteins and the total number of these sarcomeres or contractile units in parallel arrangement. So they're layered next to each other. So the diameter of the muscle increases, the, muscle, the diameter of the individual fiber increases, leading to an increase in muscle cross-sectional area. So the entire muscle gets bigger. So there's a lot of things that are going on besides just damaging the muscle that most people are like, oh, you got to have microtrauma. Yeah, that, that's one way to hypertrophy muscle. But at the end, you're actually changing the number of contractile units, which when you increase the size, you increase the number of contractile units. And that's why you also get stronger. Okay. So how do you do this? How do you increase lean muscle mass? Living a high-performance life isn't just for elite athletes or tech entrepreneurs. It's for anyone that wants to look, feel, and perform their best. That's why I started my newsletter, Adaptation. In this newsletter, I bring you curated information and resources along with tools you can implement today to be your best for yourself and those that matter most to you. Sign up now at www.ericcorum.com, and I put a link in the show notes so it makes it easy for you. Now, back to the show. Hypertrophy or increase in muscle size diameter occurs when muscle protein synthesis exceeds muscle protein breakdown and results in a positive net protein balance. So this is achieved through a mechanical stimulation, resistance training, which we're about to talk about, and through dietary intake of protein. So my good friend Pratik Patel, who frequents the show, his rule of thumb is 2.2 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. So let's say you are a 200-pound male. That would be 90 kilograms. Multiply that by 2.2, roughly 200 grams. Okay, really not that hard to do the math on that. A lot of people have a hard time taking in that much protein a day. They're not used to it. So if you can find yourself a good whey protein, I recommend Thorn. Um, I'll actually put a link in the show notes for that. I really love their protein. It's clean. I can get 40 or 50 grams really easily just by doing that. But I recommend mostly plant and animal sources of protein because you get complete protein that way. So nutritional, now you need mechanical. So let's start with the three primary factors you can manipulate to initiate what's called a hypertrophic response. The first one is mechanical tension. The second one is muscle damage. And the third is metabolic stress. Let's start with mechanical tension. Fundamentally speaking, if your muscles aren't generating force, if you're not making your muscles move something or lift something, and they're not being mechanically loaded, they will atrophy. And that's why during spaceflight, when astronauts are in a zero-gravity environment, NASA has created special machines for weight training to prevent bone and muscle loss because if, they're, if the muscles are in a zero-gravity environment and they're not having to generate a ton of force and they're not under load, they're going to atrophy. And that's something they learned in spaceflight. Load and time under tension are key factors to consider if you want to elicit a hypertrophic response using mechanical tension. 
You could use a heavy load over fewer repetitions through a full range of motion, or you could change the tempo of the exercise, accentuating eccentric and concentric movement. So the eccentric portion is the yielding phase. Let's say you're doing a bench press, it's the lowering phase. And the concentric portion is the overcoming phase. Let's say the pressing phase of the bench press or dumbbell bench press, whatever exercise you can think of. If you slow those components down and you're not exploding through it up and down, you're not dropping quickly and exploding quickly, the time under tension is very high. Guess what that leads to? Increased mechanical tension. So let's use the bench press exercise to create some different interventions here. Let's talk about load. So let's say you want to increase the load. You could do bench press for five sets of five with a rather heavy load. That would create tremendous mechanical tension, okay? Or you could do five to seven reps of bench press with a moderate to heavy load where you do, let's say, a two-second or three-second eccentric where you're lowering the bar slowly, a one-second isometric where you're holding it at the bottom, not resting it on your chest, and then a two-second concentric. That's where you're pushing the weight up very, very slowly. Something to note here is that lower rep protocols tend to improve strength via neural adaptations, and you may not realize the same hypertrophy gains with lower reps. And I'll give you a rep range to shoot for in a moment as a rule of thumb, but I just want to make you aware of that. You know, doing the, let's say, five by five, if you're an advanced weightlifter, you may not see massive changes in hypertrophy. If you're a novice, anything's going to work. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. When you're 12, 13 years old, it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to get better because the body um, is starving for adaptation. And so any signal you send it, it's going to start adapting. But those early adaptive responses are typically neurological. You see neurological changes before you see changes in the actual muscle fiber. So the second one, so we have mechanical tension. The second methodology is through muscle damage, okay? And that will elicit a hypertrophic response. Essentially, you're creating microtrauma in the muscle, which creates an inflammatory response resulting in a series of physiological events, including an immune response, activation of things called satellite cells. These are really fascinating. They're a type of stem cell that usually is dormant, but become active when there's a significant stimulus placed on the muscle. These satellite cells then proliferate infused to the existing muscle cells and create new myofibers. Again, if you really want to go into details on this, I put that article in the show notes. You should check it out. So you could do a protocol, like let's say you're doing the Romanian deadlift. That's uh, where you're standing up straight with a dumbbell or dumbbells or barbell on your hands and you're hinging at the hips and bowing forward. You could do five to seven reps with a very long eccentric, like four second eccentric, one second ISO, two second concentric. So now you're looking at a seven second repetition. Or you could do traditional high volume training, like three to four sets of 12 with like a 90 second rest. The more time under tension, the more muscle damage you're going to do. The uh, If you use a moderate to intense load, medium heavy to heavy load for, you know, four, for like eight to 12 reps, that's also going to elicit a bunch of muscle damage, especially if you haven't been training a lot. Be careful with this. As you can experience something called delayed onset muscle soreness, otherwise known as domes, 
which is muscle soreness. The, it's, it le- makes your body sensitive to the touch. It can be very painful to sit and move. And if you take this to the extreme, you can end up with something called rhabdomyolysis, which could put you in the hospital, okay? And even have kidney failure. This is a, it's not super common, but you see a lot of the research in the literature with soldiers that are doing forced ruck marches where they dramatically exceed their capacity and they end up having rhabdo and they're in, they can go to the hospital. It can be really bad. So as a general rule of thumb, never increase the volume of work, total work you do by more than 15, 20% at the most, and you're pushing it there. You're going to ask for injury. So if you want to start doing um, hypertrophy training, start with maybe one to two exercises in your routine that you're strategically applying one of these methodologies to and do lower volume. So if you've never done it, maybe just do two sets, call it a day. The next week, maybe you do three sets. Okay, slow is better than fast in regards to train, like trying to stimulate the body. Never microwave the process. Always slow cook it. Okay, the third um, way to stimulate a hypertrophic response is through metabolic stress, and there seems to be good evidence for the anabolic role of exercise-induced metabolic stress. So, for instance, let's say you do a set of fifteen to thirty reps. If you remember our discussion on the energy systems, this would significantly stress the anaerobic glycolytic energy system, which is used for ATP production. So all these energy systems are designed to generate ATP for performing work of any kind. You're going to be stressing that system because the duration of this set is going to be long, 60, maybe even 90 seconds, depending on how fast the uh, tempo is. This would lead to a substantial buildup of metabolites like hydrogen ions, inorganic phosphate, lactate, et cetera. And because of a buildup of these metabolites, a downstream effect is muscle hypertrophy. And this may explain why many bodybuilders can put on significant amounts of muscle using moderate to light loads, light, moderate, moderate loads. Think about this. You can't do 30 repetitions with a super heavy load. No, it's impossible. So the load has to be lighter in order to get through that many repetitions. And this is what a lot of bodybuilders do. You hear bodybuilders say they want to get the pump. It's because their muscles in an ischemic state. And then there's a lot of blood that's captured in those uh, muscles coming. Really, the, the blood supply kind of gets cut off. And you basically have a buildup of blood in the muscle tissue. But it's done through these long duration sets. So protocols for metabolic stress would be like performing leg press for maybe... 15 to 30 reps with a 60 to 90 second rest between sets. You may only have to do three to four sets to really get a good uh, response. Now when I say sets, I mean working sets. That's after you've done a really good warm up. These are sets that are actually have some load to it. You should always do a few warm up sets before you do your working sets. The intensity or weight doesn't need to be super high as the load over the duration of 15 to 30 reps is is significantly higher than normal. So if you think about like, if if you lifted 30 pounds for a bicep curl, you did it once, that's like 30 pounds of load. If you did it twice, that's like 60 pounds load. You do it 10 times, that's 300 pounds. You do it 20 times, it's 600 pounds. You see where I'm going with this? So this is what you can manipulate. Volume, number of reps and sets, intensity, how heavy the weight is, tempo, that concentric and eccentric, like the slow push, slow lower, and the rest interval between sets. And you can use these four variables to determine which mechanism you want to use to induce hypertrophy. 
So if you want to go for a mechanical stress, you go higher loads or heavier weights with lower volume or lower number of reps. If you want to do the muscle damage route, you're going to use a moderate to moderate intense weight, changing the tempo, focusing on eccentrics, and you're probably only going to hit 8 to 12 reps. If you want to induce hypertrophy through a metabolic response, you're going to have to lower the intensity. You're going to have to do a lot of repetitions. So I'm going to make this really easy on you and distill all this down into like some simple rules. If you want to induce a hypertrophic effect, you're going to need to be in the rep range of 6 to 30 repetitions with rest intervals between 60 seconds and 2 minutes. Now, how heavy do you go? When you are untrained or you are a novice, pretty much anything is going to work. If you take a 16 or 18-year-old boy or girl and they start lifting or doing any type of resistance training, they're going to experience improvements in strength and muscle size. As I mentioned earlier, most early adaptations to training are neurological, okay? Now, as you improve your training age, the, the length of period you've been training, so if you're a 30-year-old person never lifted weights, rule, same rules apply. The American College of Sports Medicine says for a novice, you may only need to do one to three working sets. Okay, that's after you've warmed up. These are one to three sets that are actually causing you to struggle and work hard. For somebody that's advanced that maybe been exercising for a year or several years, you may have to do three to six sets per exercise. Recent literature shows that wider ranges of training options are available. So for instance, the intensity could be 30 to 60% going to volitional fatigue. Some evidence suggests that significant muscle growth can occur when sets are performed in the three to four reps in reserve range, which means like you go all the way to the end with only like three good reps. My suggestion is this. If you're a novice, focus on technique, focusing on contracting the muscle. Don't go do absolute failure, but leave like three to four reps in the tank. So you're brand new at this. I want you to be hyper-focused on your technique. If you're doing a bench press, feel the triceps and the chest muscles contracting. If you're doing a step up, feel your quadricep muscles or your thigh contracting and leave a couple reps in the tank. Do not go to absolute failure. Do a thorough warm-up, which I've done an entire series of podcasts on warming up. And then do two to three working sets, uh, two to three warm up sets, and then get two, you know, one to three working sets in. Okay. And the rest interval is going to adjust based on the, the stimulus that you want to um, apply. If you're experienced, again, hyper focused on technique, focus on contracting the muscle. Something that I do and I've been working on even more lately is like, um, let's say I'm doing a leg extension. Uh, and I do that because I don't have huge legs and my left leg is actually a little bit smaller than my right. And so I've been doing quadricep, uh, like leg extensions. And I really focus on contracting that left quad, feeling it. I even touch the muscles so I can really kind of contract maximally and I will get close to, or go to volitional fatigue. I'll do three to five working sets per exercise and six to 10 sets per muscle group per week. So if you're doing compound movements, you're going to be hitting a lot of muscle groups. Like if you squatted or deadlifted, you're going to hit quads, hamstring, glutes. You're not going to have to do like uh, leg extension, leg curl, etc. So let's recap. If you want to train your body to increase the size of muscle, which is critical for general health, you can do three, you can do it through three primary mechanisms, mechanical, 
muscle damage, and metabolic mechanisms. To do that, you need to manipulate the volume, intensity, tempo, and rest intervals. If you found today's podcast valuable, and I hope you did, and you like this idea of learning more about exercise and training your body, would you let us know? Like send me a DM on Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn or something. I just want to know if this is serving you to a high degree. Also, if it was valuable, share it with somebody. And if you want to support the show, leave us a comment and review on the Apple Podcast app as that is one of the best ways that you can help us spread the message of the blueprint. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.